Um, we've talked so much about healthcare, right? And healthcare funding and the crisis around healthcare. Every level of government has been, you know, talking about how they're going to fix it, what they're going to do. And I told you months ago, and you knew this, it's not like I'm some psychic, just expect to see more money. That's, that'll, that'll be the answer. There'll be more money spent. Now, that's not the only answer we're being offered, but that's the one we've got so far, right? Uh, the feds had their meeting with the first ministers. They sat down, came up with what? More money. Province put out their budget last week. What was in there? More money, 4% more money in the UCP budget to try and uh, deal with health care. More than 4%, actually. Um, so maybe, maybe this funding increase that we're seeing from the feds and the province, this will finally bring us to that magic level that we need to be at and have never managed to reach when it comes to health care, where everything's fine. I wouldn't bet on it. Um, but that's an interesting question. What is that level? Like, wh- what is the dollar figure? that says, okay, we've funded our healthcare system to where it needs to be funded? Or is it just more? Is it, is, is, is it enough ever? Or is it just more? It seems to me like we've been trapped in the, well, it's more money. That, that's how much it costs for a very, very long time. So why don't we talk to somebody who deals with the data, with the numbers, with the stats? We're going to speak with Michael Wolfson, former assistant chief statistician at Stats Canada and an adjunct professor in the faculties of medicine and law at the University of Ottawa. Michael, thank you so much for being here. I really appreciate your time. Well, it's a pleasure to have a chance to uh, talk to you on this important subject. I think it's so important, and this is the angle that I think, you know, we we should spend a lot of time talking about, and we don't, because, you know, we, we get wrapped up into this funding battle, which literally has raged on for as long as I can remember, Michael. Going back decades, it's always about, we need more money, we need more money. Oh, yes. Well, healthcare is one of those uh, unusual sectors of the economy where with all the technological advances, uh, costs go up everywhere else in the economy, whether you're buying a digital phone or a car, uh, the actual costs are going down with technological progress. So when we talk about spending more money, we need to spend more money on healthcare. Why don't we start with where do we stack up? You know, if you take a look at other countries around the world, what they spend on their healthcare system, are we spending more spending less where, where where does canada rank so to speak oh we're pretty high up the list the united states is a really high outlier they they spend an enormous amount 17 percent of gdp we're at a, a bit over 11 percent and uh you know there's a fair number of oecd countries that are getting close but there's others that are you know nine ten percent of gdp that's both public and uh, private sector payments but uh so we're on the high end on the other hand if you look for example at what the commonwealth fund uh, which does a bunch of surveys every year uh we're doing pretty poorly in terms of wait lists and qu- other measures of quality of care okay so that should tell us we we're spending more than most and our results are worse than most or you know not as good as they should be at least let's put it that way so obviously then we can at least infer that money is not the answer here, right? There has to be something more to it. Oh, absolutely. That's for sure the case. Uh, and, you know, both provincial minister, first ministers and uh, the prime minister and the health minister have all said that money isn't the answer to all this. My concern is that nobody's trying to figure out what the real answer is. <laughs> exactly right. And in the meantime, let's just keep spending more money seems to be the default position. So what is the answer from your perspective, which I think is incredibly valuable as somebody who lives in the data world and, and knows that what, what's your take on what we should be doing? Well, I'm sorry to say that I wish I knew, but not all <laughs> the data we need are there. 
Uh, one of the best symptoms of the problem is what's called small area variations or more uh, vernacularly uh, postal code medicine. Where you live determines what kind of health care treatment you get. And I was just looking on the Canadian Institute for Health Information website, by the way, these data all come from Alberta and the other provinces. And, for example, Edmonton does, has a 40% higher uh, rate of 30 day stroke mortality, but they spend, uh, Edmonton does almost uh, half of the number of coronary bypass operations uh, and uh, 15% lower rates of obstetric, obstetric readmission. So these these are just within the province of Alberta. You've got variations. There are also variations even bigger across the country. So ideally what one would want to do is say, okay, let's look at the places that have lower rates of uh, readmissions, for right. example, or lower rates of bypass surgery, and see whether think people are any healthier or worse off because they aren't getting as much care. And uh, as you indicated, I'm a data geek, having worked many years at StatCan. Uh, you know, we've tried uh, at the national level to do some of this analysis. Uh, people in the U.S. at Dartmouth have been producing a health atlas for decades, and they find like three to one variations. I once did wow. a study uh, uh, more than uh, a decade ago comparing uh, bypass uh, and uh, heart treatments, and uh, there was a three to one difference with no difference in the rate of the surgery, but no difference in uh, the health outcomes. But the trouble is, you can only measure health outcomes, you know, like up to 30 days because uh, the provinces aren't being uh, uh, allowing the data to be followed for a longer period and they're not allowing the data to be pooled. I think I saw your premier, uh, you know, quoted, uh, you know, a week or so ago saying uh, more or less over my dead body, yeah, are we yeah. going to allow any data to flow? Uh, mind you, she didn't seem to realize that Alberta already contributes very nicely to both Statistics Canada and the Canadian Institute for Health Information, the kinds of data that I was just referring to. So, I mean, is there, is, has anybody ever talked about that? I mean, it makes such good sense. Like, if I, I don't care what business I'm running, if I can look at somebody down the street running the same business and their outcome is three times better than mine, I'm going to send somebody over to find out what they're doing. It, it, does that kind of crosstalk and, and that, that examination of the data, does that happen? Well, the first challenge is the data, as I've been saying, are, are limited. It's not there. To the extent that, but to the extent that the data are available, you know, people in academic papers publish it, the Canadian Agency of Drugs, Technology, and Health, and, you know, other agencies that do technology assessment try to get a handle on what, what the best way to do things uh, is. Uh, for a while in the United States, uh, they had something that they developed called appropriateness guidelines, but the doctors rebelled and said, oh, you're forcing us into cookbook medicine. We don't like this. And uh, I can't remember which uh, U.S. government canned the organization or canned the process. So, you know, there may be a different question that's worth asking is why, if this right. is so, such an obvious area we need to look at, why isn't it happening? Well, because it might cost some people some money, right? I mean, does, is is it that simple, Michael? I think so. Well, that that's certainly one of them. You know, yeah, if, yeah, if it turns sure. out, as everybody seems to agree now, that we're, we're better off with primary care teams, which include nurse practitioners, and the salaries of nurse practitioners are considerably lower than the salaries of uh, primary care physicians, of course, the incomes or the number of primary care physicians employed will go down. Uh, but I think another reason is that uh, health ministers and their deputies and advisors uh, probably have a sense that 
if uh, people could actually analyze the data, they'd find bad apples or awkward situations, and there's a fear of embarrassment. So why bother to shoot the messenger if you can prevent there being a messenger in the first place? So let's get started with the data. That's where we need to begin. And then once we have the data, we can we can delve into it and maybe come up with some answers rather than just writing more checks. Makes sense. Well, that's certainly my view. Yeah, I'm with you 100%. Michael, thank you so much for your time today. Appreciate it. Hi, it's Shauna, and I might be a bad parent because my kids think French fries are vegetables. Hey, it's Ryan, and I might be a bad parent because I went out for wings when my wife was in the hospital after giving birth. Johnny here. I might be a bad parent because in my house, the tooth fairy gives pocket change. But we're not alone. Len emailed us and said his six-year-old daughter's Tarzan moment going from love seat to lazy boy by curtains made him more proud than any dance <laughs> recital. And Andy left his two-year-old at the rink. All right, guys, I'm sure we're not alone, like Andy's kid. For stories and confessions like this, make sure you check out our podcast. It's called Bad Parents, and it's available wherever you get your podcasts. I left a glove at the rink.